Hello Evertonians and welcome to another episode of the All Together Now podcast with myself, Tony Scott, Greg O'Keefe and David Hughes. And we're here to preview Everton versus Brighton with the potential to go three points clear in the Premier League in October. Who would have thought that? Lots of also lots of speculation surrounding Norwich City defender Ben Godfrey. That signing looks imminent at the moment. We were discussing that. Greg will be giving us insight on that. And David will be giving his numbers and stats on that. So look out for that one. And uh, we'll also be talking about the field goal factor surrounding L4 at the moment. And to top off the show... The lads' predictions, including myself. We'll start with the potential new signing of Ben Godfrey, Greg. Centre-back, 25 million looks as though it has been accepted. Carlo Ancelotti wouldn't be drawn on that in today's press conference. What's your take on the situation? It looks almost done, doesn't it? It certainly feels like it's one that's coming close to being a done deal. Yeah, he's a young defender, isn't he, with... A lot of potential, played a lot of games in the, in the top flight last season for a Norwich team that kind of had their admirers, certainly the first part of the season and, you know, had a tough time of it, didn't they? Uh, uh, Carroll Road really just, you know, were um, really through the mill, conceded a lot of goals, but yet they still speak very highly of him. England under 21 international and viewed as a big talent. I think getting him would be something of a coup. I'm not going to get too carried away, but I think to get that sort of potential for a relatively small price of 25 million, 20 million, 25 million, whatever you say with add-ons. Um, I think importantly, it's, it's one of the ticks the boxes that if you look to financial fair play and sustainability down the line, he's got a resale value. Um, and the things I hear about him are that you know he's good on the ball, he's comfortable bringing it out from the back, which is clearly something that Ancelotti values, and that he's got the potential to be much, much better. So, I don't know how much David was able to watch him. I, I can't profess to have, have noticed him a lot last season, but I, I am impressed how many games he played. And I think all in all, it sounds like a, a good deal. I, I'm surprised that given what the club have been saying, that they're going to get a permanent deal in before anyone's out the door for the defender. And Schlotty said a couple of weeks ago, didn't he, that it was loans they're looking at. So that would signal to me that they are close to getting maybe securing deals for the likes of Besic or Sandro to go out on loan or, or just to pay off the rest of the contracts and get them off the books, thus saving themselves like an awful lot of money, which obviously then goes on to uh, Godfrey's wages. David, what's um, Ben Godfrey's stats and numbers like? Yeah, so I, 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 um, I've basically written a small piece for the Liverpool Echo that should be out later today. Um, but, I mean, just before we touch on the numbers, you know, he's a, he's a right-footed centre-back, but... Um, I did notice that he, he played a lot on the left last season. Um, he, he seems quite versatile, able to use both feet, which is good because on those occasions that Farky felt like he needed to re, needed to reshuffle the defence, he could play on either side and you know do a job efficiently, which is good news for us. Um, like Greg said, it wasn't really a great campaign for Norwich. Um, you know that kind of possession game that they played. It looked quite pleasing on the eye, but didn't really did deliver the results. But I think what was really key to that was it proved pretty beneficial for Godfrey's development in terms of you know his possession game and distribution and things. Um, I had a look and he was averaging 48 passes per 90 last season with a pass success rate of over 90%. Um, compared to Everton's regular centre-backs, um, both departments, he ranked higher. And so he made more passes on average and a higher pass success rate. Now, obviously, you know, the bulk of these passes would have been 
short ones the teammates nearby. Um, but there was plenty of examples in games where he's gone more directive with like um, you know penetrative balls between the lines. So you know that looks good. I think his, his physical profile. He's six foot, which is you know fairly decent but unremarkable. I'd say for a central defender. Although he is quite, he has got a good frame on him, quite muscular, and I think it definitely helps him with duels with uh, opposition attackers. Or we look at the most basic ones. Um, he had a defensive duel success rate of just below 64% last season, uh, 56% aerial duel success rate. It, that was pretty much in the same ballpark of of Everton central defenders last season. So you kind of, you kind of, he's performing at that level in a poor side. So you'd suspect coming into Everton. Those numbers should improve with both time, development, and just playing for a better side. Um, so yeah, you know, I think he looks in the numbers for now. He looks good. Um, he's got another really key thing. I think is his pace. He's got pace, and, and I'm sure you two lads would agree that's that's something Everton's defence is lacking at the moment. And if you know Ancelotti wants to start playing a little bit of a higher line to to kind of impose themselves, you know, with and without the ball, then he could be key to that. Yeah, I, I agree with you there, David. It's interesting um, stuff on, on Godfrey there. I think that pace one is something that we do lack. In terms of the, the all centre-backs that we have got, Yeri Mina, Michael Keane, Mason Holgate, they're not really blessed with pace, are they? So that's going to be an, um, a benefit for Everton. And it is quite rare that you get a lad who's six foot odd and who's got a big frame who's also quick. So I think that'll be a good addition if we can get... And one clip I have seen on social media, he loves that diagonal pass that obviously we've got Hamas Rodriguez that's very well... Obviously does that quite well at Everton. But to get that from a centre-back, you can switch the place so good and so quick. I think that'll benefit Everton going forward. Greg, why... why you just touched on the, why they're spending this money, the potential adds on value, but is it a gamble to spend £25 million on a championship defender? Um, well, I mean, he had last season almost every game in the Premier League, didn't he? So it's not like he's not been tested at this level. Again, with the caveat that Norwich did concede a lot of goals, but I don't think that's something that's down to Ben Godfrey um, at 20 playing. And it just shows you how much they rate him that he, he played the amount of games he did. Um, it, there's a degree of a gamble, but... Don't forget, again, as I hesitate to say, it's not much, but relatively speaking, it, it isn't that much for a centre-back anymore. Is it we were prepared to pay around this amount but or a bit more for Gabriel Margulies, who hadn't played in the Premier League at all, um, a little bit older than Godfrey, but, and, and in fairness, has come to Arsenal and looked pretty good. But um, I'd say it's a, it's, a, it's a qualified risk, but not overly, not a massive one. I'm actually pleased that we've owned someone who's played in this country at the top flight before. And I always, I don't like to write him off or be negative, but I think you have to look at Yeri Mina and just think sometimes, and I've banged the drum for other defenders from this country before, like Jack O'Connell, but I just think sometimes it helps to know what English football is all about. And I think the good thing about him is when it gets over the line, he comes in straight away. He's an option, he's into the squad. There's no, you would hope, no huge adjustment time to the way, uh, the, the physicality of the game here. David, a lot of there'd be lazy comparisons, won't there? Because he's been relegated in a poor Norwich team, and but you can also obviously flip that other side and say well, we signed to just a guy from Aston Villa with relegated with a poor outfit, and you only have to look across the park. Liverpool signed Andy Robertson in the whole team that relegated, but Everton's previous signings from 
lower league teams in terms of defenders. Bodes well, doesn't it? You've got the likes of Brantwaite we spoke about, Hallgate, Jackie Elker, um, Lescott. There is value down in them lower leagues, isn't there? And this is the type of signing that you'd become accustomed to with Everton, wouldn't you? Yeah, definitely. You know, it's um, it can be quite often be wise business. And, you know, he's 22 now, isn't he? So he's still some way off his best years. Uh, plenty of time to develop. And if you kind of look at the progression of some of the names you said there, you know, Holtgate and Calvert-Lewin at the other end of the pitch. Now, Everton, it does seem to be a place where young players who have the right attitude and, you know, possess plenty of potential can flourish. Um, so, you know, providing Godfrey, we, we know he has potential because, we, you know, we, we've seen it. As long as the attitude there as well, which, judging from what people say, you know him, it is. And, you know, he's got all the hallmarks, really, to be a, a top player for Everton over the next few years. If he's half, half as successful as the last centre-back we could sign from Norwich, I'm sure we'll be happy. Dave Watson, the last cup-winning player for Everton. Um, let's get back to the matters on the pitch again, gents. We'll start with you, Dave, with the feel-good factor surrounding Everton at the moment. Carlo Ancelotti said today, this beautiful bubble will burst. It's just how we obviously bounce back from it. it we are waiting for this to burst. We're just... We're riding on this crest of a wave at the moment. With the, obviously, you've got record kit sales, you've got the stadium in the background, you've got the season ticket waiting list, the spirit of the Blues obviously topping the iTunes chart, Calvert Lewin being called up to the England squad, um, obviously, top goal scorer in the Premier League, Everton six from six, um, breaking all kinds of records. You've even got the women's team reaching the cup final. This is so good, isn't it? We're not used to this, are we? No, no, of course not. I think, I think it's wise in what he says. You know, because you don't want to go too wild on the highs uh, in the same way you don't want to go too down on the lows. So, you know, I think it is good to keep some of that objectivity, I guess, you know, when you're kind of um, looking over what's happened so far. But, you know, definitely a good time to just enjoy being an Everton fan. You know, it has been such fun. You're looking forward to watching them. You know, you haven't got half the angst you used to. I was talking on another show, and, you know, when West Ham even equalised through the week, there wasn't really that fear factor that sits in. There's no panic, you know. There's kind of like you expect this team to still find a way to win. And that's really a testament of a good side. And okay, yeah, it is still early days. And when that time does come, when, you know, they do drop points or, um, you know, do suffer a defeat, I think that'll be really important then to bounce back. And if they bounce back quickly, you know, without too much drama, then then you start thinking sky's the limit a little bit in terms of what they can achieve this season. I don't know about you, Greg, but I just felt like it's only an experience for myself as an Everton fan. From minute one against Tottenham, I just felt so assured and relaxed like I've never been before watching an Everton team. Normally, you're a bag of nerves. And as David's just touched on, he's spot on. When we normally concede, it's, oh, we, we can't get two or three back here. There's no chance. From, minute, from the minute we kicked off against Spurs, I just felt totally different towards this Everton team. Did you? You were you a bit pissed, mate? <laughs> <laughs> no, it just felt so surreal. I've got huge <laughs> confidence in this team now. Where I've never had that to, before. Didn't take much to change your mind, did it? <laughs> I see. Where, I see where you're coming from. I didn't have like that sort of instant, um, sort of like zen, zen confidence and, and relaxation. I think it'll take me a while <laughs> to get to that point. In, in all honesty, but I know what you mean. The more you watch them, I'm developing that confidence that. I, as David just said as well, that even if things go against us, 
you sort of know that they'll find a way to get back into the game and it's for another podcast but sometimes I worry about in certain games I think is this partly down to the, the fact that they haven't got the fans on the back in certain types of fixtures as well but that's a, a small factor um, I think generally it's just the quality across the board it's, it's Ancelotti having his own pre-season and it's the signings and, and, and how that's dragged everyone else up to a level and I think I am and we all are hopefully going to develop what you've already clicked into gear with which is that I suppose it's just an enjoyment of watching them, isn't it? And not having that nagging, irrational fear that whenever you go behind, that, that that's it. And you might as well just um, tear up your coupon and switch off the telly because they've got options all the while to get, to get at teams and to get back in. And, um, you know, when they've got Holgate back, when they've you know, when they've got Pranthwaite and maybe Godfrey as teams as well as defensive options, they're only going to get stronger at the back. So... Again, to, to echo what David said, it's really exciting to see what we can do. I spoke to the Old Blues last night and asked for one thing that stood out for you. What's impressed you about the start so far? And all three of them said the same thing, attitude. And that's what he said. That's what's impressed them the most because they couldn't relate to the Everton team last season and previous years because that's not Everton. Um, midfielders going through the motions, pointing the fingers at each other. And what we've seen last season isn't Everton. It's just people passing the book. Now you've seen a totally different attitude. Um, Greg, is there anything else that's impressed you the most about the start of the season? I think it's just that resilience, which which we've touched on already. The lack of it last season was, was plain to see. Um, you know, Spirit, the character, resilience, belief, call it what you will. Just that, again, risk of repeating myself, the fact that the team believes it can come back into games. And, you know, we've got talismanic players all over all over the park, particularly in the midfield and final third now. And um, yeah, I think Alan's going to be a massive miss on Saturday. Tomorrow is near on Saturday. And uh, Richarlison, I kind of worry about him if he's rushed back in, but I certainly think they should. Limited his involvement to get the most what they need of him. And then, of course, Rodriguez. It's just, I mean, again, talking about ideas for future episodes, but I'd be interested to throw this at you too. Is, is Rodriguez one, one of the best players in your sort of adult lives watching Everton that you've seen? Uh, very early to call it, isn't it? But straight away, I'm thinking of like Arteta. Um, I can't really think beyond Arteta, to be honest, in terms of midfield, so it's attacking players. <laughs> We've been starved, haven't we? We've been absolutely starved when, you do, when you've just had to struggle and think of names. No, but I get what you're saying, Greg. He is absolutely world-class, and you can see that from the minute he touches a ball, his control, his, his football and brain, his awareness of, of his fellow teammates be around him. He's just got everything in his locker, hasn't he? Probably arguably the, the thing he hasn't got is, is obviously pace, but he controls the game. That's how good he is. Um, I'll probably go... Rooney was a freak, wasn't he, when he burst on the scene at 16, 17. But yeah, you're probably right, and it probably is early days, don't get me wrong, but he is just an unbelievable talent. And we are, and we are quite lucky, considering where we finished last season, we are lucky to have a player of his, of his ilk in around the club. Do you agree, David? Um, Rodriguez, best player you've seen in Everton shirt so far? Um, it's a tough question, because I'd like to, I, I want to see a little bit more in terms of longevity, but you know, from what we've seen so far, he is kind of a cut above, really. You know, I, I was having a look, even, even in the Palace game, I think Everton had in that game um, nine shots, and seven of them came directly or indirectly through 
James Rodriguez. You know, so either he played the final ball or the ball before the final ball. And it was similar to at Tottenham. I think Everton maybe I'd say off the top of me had 14 and he contributed something like nine shot creating actions. It's just it, it, everything's going through him at the moment and he is making the attack um, click. I'm starting to get a few concerns about games that he might not be able to play further down the line. You know, when they start coming a little bit more thick and fast. But yeah, for now he just he just looks brilliant and um, he's a joy to watch. Hopefully, it'll be a joy to watch tomorrow. But players that won't be a joy to watch will be Alan and Andre Gomez. They've been ruled out through injury, Greg. As long as also with John Joe Kenny and Mason Holgate, who we also expect to be out. Greg, how much is a blow? Well, how big of a blow it is to have Alan ruled out for tomorrow. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a massive blow, unfortunately, to have him and Kenny. Obviously, you know you need that strength and depth on the bench. Um, Richarlison, let's see if he makes it. If he does, he's got a fitness say. test, hasn't he, in the morning? Yeah, so I, I I think that it's important to make the right call for the season as a whole for him. Um, as a, a Brazil involved in international during yeah, the break, yeah, I think are, yeah. so look again, I I'll be wary about putting a situation whereby could be compounding the problem that will come back to bite us. We need him fit for the and his fitness record has been absolutely brilliant. You know, he'll run through a brick wall, but we need to just be careful um with him. So maybe like I say, get him on from the start and then take him off as and when he feels ready. But Alan, to answer your question, a huge, huge loss. Um, you know, we'll see we'll have to see Delph step up and I think he, he's looked promising in the Carabao Cup. Um no Gomez as well, so Sigurdsson will probably be involved, Boney, from the offset. Um, so like what we're looking at, kind of, he stays with 4-3-3. Delph sitting um, and Sigurdsson and Decore. So, you know, straight away, you, you, you sort of... It's not a bad midfield by any means, but you're losing that, that balance that we just seem to have... That winning balance we seem to have had in terms of uh, the start of the campaign. But I think... Like, decore has been been massive as well. Like easy to overlook what he's done. He didn't have, excuse me, he didn't have his best first half. I'd say against Palace, but he made these interventions where he's done it in almost every game. He did it, did it at Tottenham. He did it at Salas Park, where you know a team breaks and it looks like they're going to get in behind us. And those big long legs, he goes charging back and gets a block. And it was against Sahar, wasn't it, on Saturday? And it was just absolutely key. So. Yeah, sometimes it might look like the, you know his passing's a little bit shaky at times, or he's a bit the game's sort of passing him by. But then he clicks into gear, and I think he, he's maybe going under the radar a little bit. Um, and so we haven't really seen much of him in, a, in an attacking sense yet, have we? But that will hopefully come. Uh, he's been fulfilled on the role in this perfectly calibrated four-three-three. So let's see. Um, but yeah, Alan, let's just hope it's just the one game. Fingers crossed, because. He's been huge. And, and look, the signs are from what Carlo was saying is that it's not massively serious. And that alone is a huge sigh of relief because it didn't look too clever when he went down, did it? No, it didn't. And it was nice to hear Carlo Ancelotti basically confirm that Andre Gomez and Alan should be back after the international break. I'm sure a big game and we'll be here to preview Everton versus Liverpool in a couple of weeks' time. Um, David, is it, if Richarlison does pass fit, is this just a case of Delphin for Allen, maybe Bernardin for Gomez and like for like go from there? Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's much point in changing the setup. You know, they haven't really been doing that in the cup games when they were, you know, we were seeing wholesale changes to the start of the 11. So, yeah, I'd, 
I just kind of, if we could bring in, you know, a, the, the the closest version of a like to like replacement we have, you know, maybe the players you've just said there, and just try and keep things as they are because at the moment it's working, isn't it? You know, the team looks good. It looks well balanced. Um, looks good going forward. Everybody seems to know what they're doing. So, yeah, I think it's simplify it as much as possible because um, I must admit I, I'm expecting a tough game against Brighton. I think the um, I know they've lost two of the three games so far, but in in, in all three of them, bearing the two of them once against Chelsea United, they've you know they've, they've scored a combined six goals. They've outshot the opponents. They've had more of the ball than the opponents. Like they've been quite unlucky. So yeah, we kind of need to be at our best version. I think to to get the win in this one. I think it's a dangerous game, I really do. And I, I agree with you, David. I think they've been very unlucky. We've seen what happens against Manchester United last week. They were very they win a three um three one match against Chelsea, then the defeat in the first mm. game. And also they went to Newcastle and wiped the floor with them three 0 in their own backyard. So they're a very, very good team. I'm expecting a really tough game tomorrow. Um just on a different note, Jens, um, Ancelotti was asked a question in the press conference today about the game, well, the rest between our South American players and the Merseyside Dog. I've just checked now, and there's obviously Brazil um, and Colombia. I've got games on the 14th of October. The Merseyside derby is on the 17th, three days after. We'll speak about this in next week's podcast. But at the moment, do you think Carlo Ancelotti is thinking ahead that much, or he's just trying to get Brighton out the way? Because surely to God, the players next week, they have got two games, one on the 10th and one on the 14th. Um, obviously, Colombia, Rodriguez will go, Yerimino will go, Richarlison will go. But that's not ideal, is it? The 14th, um, um, playing for your international team and then playing a Merseyside derby on the 17th. That will factor, won't it? We'll start with you, Greg. Sorry for that one. Yeah, no, it will. It'll take a. It'll take its toll. Definitely take its toll. It, you know, you need ideally your top players in top condition, and the travelling does have have an effect. Um, we're not the only ones in a situation. But most Premier League teams are chock full of internationals, so it's about managing it. Um, I remember Tim Cahill used to have to go and make the flights to halfway across the world to Oceania to play in qualifiers for Australia, and Tim Howard to be back and forth from all over the world in South America and. You know, we're in that period again. You know, it's not ideal having Richard, um, sorry, Rodriguez at 29, having to make these journeys. But um, that's what you get when you sign a you know a, a top elite player. He's going to be playing for his country, and you know, we'll have known that. Um, not ideal, but doable. Such would provide, of course, there's nothing, no niggles or injuries picked up on this national duty, but that's more or less out of our hands. You know, Everton often send, all, all the top clubs often send their own medical staff with some of the top players, almost like sort of escorts to try and like just look after them, provide any sort of aftercare or any treatment they might need in lieu of their international um, medical setups as well, because obviously these are huge expensive prize assets to Everton have paid enormous amounts for in wages and stuff like that and sometimes the pitches they go and play on in some of these qualifiers or different types of games can be far from ideal so um, Everton won't, won't be leaving anything to risk um, but ultimately when, when they're out there playing for the country it is a risk look on everyone's mind of a, a Royal Blue um, angle will be the Merseyside derby and having these players in, in, in tip-top form for them but Liverpool have got their own headaches of course without looking for too far forward so Let's just hope that the blue wave carries on rolling until then and the optimism and the good, good fortune and positivity continues. 
Come on, David, give us a, a good prediction. Was it you said 2-1 last week or was it Greg? Um, I'll, I'll just say it's me to take the credit, <laughs> to be honest. I've got to go back on that. I've got to go back on that. Oh, there he is, piping up. He's got yeah, one right. Right, we'll go, um, go ahead, David. You can have, you can have first tabs on the um, prediction. Go on. Make um, it. Imagine a Saturday night in October. Being top of the Premier League by three points. Come on, David. Yeah, no, I, I am actually, I am actually going to back them to win. I'm going to go three-one. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think if there's one negative at the moment is that Everton aren't seeming to keep clean sheets, but you know they are outscoring the opposition comfortably. So I'm going to go three-one. Mister O'Keefe, don't give us bad news, Greg. Come on. <laughs> um, obviously, we're going to win, aren't we? That's. Uh... That's a given these days. <laughs> <laughs> Time, times it, are changing. Wow. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, yeah. Um, look, again, like like David said, it's going to be a hard game. Brighton have been playing well, not necessarily getting results they deserve. And um, maybe they're thinking their looks going to change. I like the look of Lamptey. I like the look of quite a few of their players. You know, the, the way they're playing football, um, and, and we're going to lack some of our well, one of our key men. But I think we'll get over the line again. Um, I am going to say I think we'll win. I think it's going to be another two-one. It served me well last week. Not that I get credit from you two, but I think it will. Two-one win. Oh, so you're going to? I can't go with the same as you again. Um, I'll go three-two. Three two Everton. I think there'll be loads of goals in it. I can't see Everton keeping a clean sheet. And I think that's a little that's bit of a. <laughs> and do you know what? Is it a worry just before we sign off that we're not keeping clean sheets? Is it a worry for you, Greg? Yeah, it comes back to the um, the debate over the, the goalkeeper, doesn't it? But in fairness, not just the goalkeeper. It was defensively that the zonal marking was poor for um, Kiyati's goal last weekend, wasn't it? So, um, yeah, it is a worry. But as long as we're able to outscore the opposition like your prediction suggests, we're all right. I, I think it's going to be harder if we have our little lapses against the top four. Um, you know, I'm thinking, you know, City, Chelsea, Liverpool, that's going to be harder then because we're not going to blow them away. We're going to have to take our chances. Obviously, we, we, I think we'll create them. But we're going to, we are ruthless or great, but we're going to have to tighten up at the back. So it is a bit of a concern, yeah. Is it a concern for Mr. Hughes or is he is he happy outscoring the opposition every game? You're not getting me started on the Pickford slash here. <laughs> the <laughs> yeah. you know, I think we're, we're rounding it up now, aren't we? I'll be yeah. here for another hour. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it, look, it is a concern, but it's it, it's kind of, you know, I think the form Pickford's in at the moment, it's kind of what to expect. I'm hoping he turns a corner over the next, you know, few weeks and months and we start seeing the clean sheets rolling in. Because what I will say is we're not conceding a ton of shots, which is good. You know, it's uh, we're not conceding a lot of shots. And if you keep doing that, the chances are you'll, you'll keep the goals to a minimum. So I have faith we might start seeing the clean sheets coming. Keep them coming. Indeed. Blues, that's your lot for this week's preview. Everton versus Brighton. A brand new platform is coming for the All Together Now podcast next week. That's starting from next week. Look out for that on our social media channels. We'll be back, hopefully, myself, Greg and David, to talk about Everton's victory against Brighton. Fingers crossed. Up the toffees and thanks for tuning in.